Well, good morning. Uh, we're in this radical series. Let me uh, kind of review where we've uh, been so far. Uh, we're exploring what it looks like to really live the kind of life that Jesus calls his followers uh, to live. And we keep coming back to two questions that we have to ask ourselves. Do I believe Jesus? And am I willing to obey Jesus? And we've discovered along the way that uh, those of us who are Christ followers, that Jesus expects every one of us to play in part in spreading the story of Jesus to the whole world. And uh, last week we discovered that someone who is a follower of Jesus, a radical follower, will have a desire to know God deeply. And the primary way that God intends for us to get to know Him is by reading His book, the Bible. And a lot of you, in fact a whole lot of you, uh, stood last week and made a commitment to God that you would make it a, an effort in your life to read the Bible every day. And uh, I saw a lot of your Facebook posts this week and uh, a lot of buzz and talk about that and it's pretty exciting. And uh, God... God's going to bless us as we really seek to know Him deeply. Do you remember the old, I mean, it's really old, uh, fable about the chicken and the pig? The chicken and the pig lived on this uh, wonderful farm, and uh, they were uh, out one morning, and they looked in the house, the window of the farmer's house, and they noticed the farmer and his wife eating breakfast. They were having bacon and eggs. And uh, the chicken said, man, that looks so good. What a great meal. And the pig said, well, that's easy for you to say because you only have to make a small contribution to that meal. For me, it requires a complete commitment to that meal. And uh, I think sometimes this whole idea of really being a follower of Jesus, we have viewed it as I'll make a few small contributions along the way and that'll be okay. But that's not the reality. The reality about following Jesus is it's an all-in commitment. It's about putting everything on the table if we follow him. So today I want to look at another uh, thing that involves uh, radically following Jesus. And to do that, I want to look at Matthew chapter 25. So I hope you brought your Bibles or your smartphone or your iPad or whatever it is you used to read the Bible from. Would you take that out right now and find your way to uh, Matthew chapter 25, first a book in the New Testament part of your Bible. And uh, we're going to look at several verses here. It's a story that Jesus uh, teaches one day. And uh, it's a long conversation that he's having, a long uh, teaching session, and I want to pick it up on this one thing that he talks about, Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 31. So here we go. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all of the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Now let's get a handle on what's happening here. Jesus uh, is talking about... Uh, the, the, uh, when he returns. And uh, some scholars think that this is uh, a form of prophecy. Others think it is a parable that Jesus tells. And I think there are elements of both. 
It has the elements of prophecy and the idea that it is the prediction of an actual event that will take place in the future. And it is like a parable because Jesus uses a metaphor to describe what happens at this event. He's talking about the the judgment. When He returns for the, the second coming, when He comes back again, there will be this moment of judgment. And Jesus says that in this moment of judgment, God is going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And people will spend eternity with or without God based on the choices that they have made in this life. He says He'll separate the the righteous and the unrighteous like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats when they come bring the herds in from the field. And in this story, Jesus indicates that the sheep represent the righteous and the goats represent the unrighteous. And here's what bothers us about this story. What bothers us about this story is the last part of what Jesus says here because He seems to indicate that our destiny is dependent on what we do and how we respond to the least of these. And that raises a lot of questions for us, doesn't it? There are three questions that I think immediately come to mind that I want to try to answer today. First, we probably ask, who are the least of these? Secondly, we ask, what exactly does God expect of us? And third, we ask, what happens if I fail? Now, Please hear this, okay? You have to stay with me all the way to the end today. Because if you don't, if you check out too early mentally, you will walk away from this with the false idea about what this story actually teaches. And you will walk away with some impressions that aren't necessarily taught in this story. So you've got to hang with me all the way to the end, okay? All right, let's take the first question. Who are the least of these? Who is it that Jesus is referring to? And general consensus would be that from scholars that Jesus is simply talking about the most needy and vulnerable, the poor, the hurting, the struggling. And Jesus says, not me, Jesus says that our response to the needy, to the poor, to the hurting, to the vulnerable in our world, that our response to them determines whether or not he counts us as one of his believers, one of his followers. That's the short answer to the first question. The next two take a little more explanation. The second question is this. What exactly does God expect me to do? Well, I think that God expects us, first of all, to feel what He feels about the poor and the needy and the vulnerable. If statistics and stories about the poor or human trafficking or injustice disturb you and make you uncomfortable, that's good. Because it makes God uncomfortable and it disturbs God too. Think about Jesus. When you read through the story of Jesus' life here on earth, how often do you read that He was moved with compassion? How often do you see where Jesus stops what He is doing to try to relieve the suffering of someone else? How often is Jesus disturbed by neglect or injustice toward someone that was created in the image of God. It bothers Jesus. And it should bother us too. Richard Stearns, who is the leader of World Vision and the author of a couple of really good books about this subject, uh, uses this illustration. He says, imagine if we would have awakened this morning and on the news we would have discovered that overnight a hundred jetliners had crashed 
killing some 26,000 people. We would be so deeply disturbed by that. We would be in horror about that. The response of people around the world would be incredible. They would move with their wealth and their power to do everything they could to comfort the families of those who had lost loved ones. And the governments would move in powerful ways to try to make sure that some kind of tragedy like that never happened again, wouldn't they? But every day, 26,500 children die of preventable issues related to poverty. Do you realize that's the equivalent of every student in the least county schools being wiped out in a four-day period? Gone. That ought to bother you. Do you know the average American lives on about $100 a day? And yet there are some 3 billion people, 3 billion people around the world that live on $2 or less per day. They are trying to find water and food and shelter for what I spend for the number four meal deal at Taco Bell when I go for lunch. Which is really good, by the way, and really a great deal, I just want to tell you. That ought to bother us. That ought to disturb us. Because it does God. And God wants us to feel what He feels. But it's not just about feeling what He feels. He also wants us to do something about it. He wants us to respond in some way because that's what He models and teaches here in this story in Matthew chapter 25. The righteous, the ones that He gathers, like He gathers the sheep on His right hand side. They did something. They must have felt something too, but they also responded by doing something. They fed the hungry. They gave water to the thirsty. They put clothes on the back of someone who didn't have clothes. They welcomed a stranger into their lives. They did something. Now notice, they didn't do everything, but they did do something. And they didn't help everyone, but they did help someone. And they didn't solve the the problem of world hunger. They didn't wipe out all of the diseases around the earth. But they did something. They did something with what they had, where they were, in whatever way they could. They responded by doing something. And mentally and in our hearts today, we would all say, that's right, we ought to do something. But again, Richard Stearns has written this paraphrase of some of the verses that we just read in Matthew 25. Listen to what he writes here. It may disturb you. For I was hungry, but you went out to eat again. I was thirsty, but you drank bottled water. I was a stranger, and you wanted me deported. I needed clothes, but you need more clothes. I was sick, and you pointed out the behaviors that led to my sickness. I was in prison and you said I was getting what I deserved. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that earlier this week, I didn't like that. In fact, my first response to that was, that makes me angry. How dare he write something like that? But if I'm honest, there are some threads of truth woven to what he writes there about me and my response. 
Do you know that collectively represented by the number of people that will be here at Cross Point this morning together, we, along with our banks, own about $17 million worth of houses? Parked just outside here or in our driveways at home, we own somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 million worth of vehicles. And when we leave here today, we will spend somewhere between three dollars and $4,000 to go to lunch or to eat at home. We are incredibly blessed. Now listen, I don't tell you any of those numbers to make you feel guilty. I don't. I don't want you to feel guilty. But I do want to get our attention. And I want us to think about what Jesus teaches here. Because Jesus seems to indicate that I ought to be moved by that. Now listen, it is not wrong for you to have nice things. It is not wrong for you to have money. There is nowhere in the Bible that there is a prohibition against money. But Jesus seems to indicate here that if I am not willing to give up some of what I have been blessed with, if I am not willing to sacrifice some of what I have to meet the needs of others, then there is a problem with the condition of my heart and my life. Because based on what Jesus teaches and models here, He expects us to respond in some way. He expects our hearts to be touched and He expects us to do something to respond. So let me suggest this morning a few practical things maybe that we could do as a response. Because we can't go out and and solve all the issues around the world today. But Jesus would expect us to to do something. Let me suggest some things this morning. Some things maybe we'll just get your mind started and you'll maybe go run much farther with this and that would be great. And maybe there will be ideas that come out of your thinking this morning that will make a difference in people's lives. And I I hope that happens. But let me just get you started. What if just this week, what if for the next week, every one of us committed that for one meal every day, we would skip that meal. We would fast. First of all, that would remind us that there are people that are hurting and, and Jesus expects us as His followers to do something. But what if you also, in addition to fasting one meal every day this week, you took that money that you would spend on that meal, or you went to your cupboard where you keep your food and whatever food you would have fixed, you take that food and you give it to an agency locally here, put it in their food pantry, or you take that money. I had somebody tell me who saw the notes ahead of time, they're going to take that money. They've already decided an agency. They're going to take about $5 they spend for lunch every day. They're going to send it off to somebody else. That would make a difference. That would be doing something and it would be reminding you of what Jesus has called us to. Maybe you would consider, as Peg and I did two or three years ago, um, adopting a child in a sense through World Vision or Compassion International. And uh, we've we've sponsored a child for several years. Uh, You can't see this picture, I know, but this is, uh, I'm not sure exactly how you say his African name, but Nakamba. And uh, he is in Africa. And uh, we've been sending money you know, every month uh, to make a difference in his life. And I'm confident because I'm confident in World Vision that he, uh, you know, he gets that money. He doesn't get the money, but he, he gets food and he goes to school and he has clothes because of a little bit of sacrifice that Peg and I have made to invest in his life. And, and I know that if we weren't doing that, he wouldn't go to school and he wouldn't necessarily have food and he might not have clothes. But we've made just a small difference. And maybe you, maybe you'd do the same thing. You would just decide, and you can go to the website there, worldvision.org or compassion.com, and uh, you can find a child maybe that you'd want to 
invest in. And you know why I have picked to invest in World Vision? Because I believe they're not just throwing money at the issue, but it's a holistic approach where they're really trying to lift people out of poverty. And we'll teach more about that as we, as we progress down the road. I want you to watch this video because I think it, it tells the story, and I know it'll touch your heart. Right, So maybe that's one thing you would invest in. Maybe another way that you would uh, do something is that uh, an organization I've talked about a few months ago, uh, Charity Water, who is uh, helping to provide clean water for every person on our globe. You know, so much of the disease and people that people die from has simply to do with the fact they don't have clean water. So that's another way we could be involved. Maybe uh, you would choose to be involved in another thing that I've mentioned once before very briefly, and that's microfinancing, where uh, you actually through these organizations would, in a sense, make a personal loan to somebody in another country that is struggling. And again, it's a holistic approach to poverty because it's helping them to lift themselves out of poverty provides them with the opportunity to start some kind of business that provides an income for their family so that they can feed their children and, and send them to school. And there are a couple of organizations you can read more about that. World Vision does the microfinancing now, and as well as an organization called Kiva, K-I-V-A. And uh, you can check those out if that would be it. I hope that all of us will uh, determine that in a few months from now we will join together in what I announced on our anniversary Sunday, that we are moving towards, as a church, adopting a poverty-stricken neighborhood uh, in Lee County. 
and uh, working again, not just to, to feel good about it ourselves, but in a holistic way to help to lift this whole neighborhood out of poverty. And so let me tell you where we are on that process. We are, uh, as a staff, uh, in the process of doing a lot of uh, research and educating ourselves about how to do that in a really healthy and holistic kind of way. And so uh, we're talking to other churches that are already involved and steps ahead of us in doing that, and we're doing a lot of reading and uh, trying to make sure that we approach it from the right perspective. And then the next step after that will be the process of identifying the right community that God would want us to be involved in. And uh, then we want to we want to do this again in a very holistic way that helps to lift a whole neighborhood. And wouldn't that be a great thing if a few years down the road we'd be able to look back as a church family and say, hey, we invested in this neighborhood and together with God's help and through God's power, we actually lifted many of the people in that neighborhood out of poverty and they're no longer living that way day to day. And I believe, I believe God could do that. And I believe that He wants us to do something to make that kind of difference. So I hope that you'll uh, join with us when that time comes. Here's the bottom line. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I want you to do something. I want your heart to be broken, and then I want you to do something that makes a difference. There's one more question we have to answer. And that is, what if I fail? What if we fail? And Jesus answers that question beginning in verse 41. And here's what He says. It's pretty straightforward. He says, Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave Me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave Me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite Me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe Me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after Me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And listen, Jesus says that if we turn our backs on the least of these, we turn our backs on him. Jesus says that if I do not respond to the needs of the poor and the needy and the vulnerable, then I am by my actions expressing to Him that I am turning my back on Him. Now, here's the part that I said at the beginning. You've got to hang with me all the way to the end because I want to be clear here. This story that Jesus tells here, what He teaches here, in no way indicates that I earn my salvation by doing good for the poor. It doesn't teach that here, and nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. My salvation is a free gift from God that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. End of story. It is through God's grace, by Jesus' death on the cross, and God's willingness to give me the gift of forgiving my sins and making me a new person. It is all about grace, and it has nothing to do with me earning salvation. Okay? So let's be clear about that. I want you to walk away understanding that carefully. That is not what Jesus is teaching here. But Jesus is teaching that as His follower, if I am really following Jesus, I will respond. My, I will feel what Jesus feels and I will do what Jesus does in response to the poor and the needy and the vulnerable. And if I am unwilling to respond in the way that Jesus responds, then I need to question the condition of my heart and whether or not I am really following Jesus. 
Because someone who follows Jesus, a radical follower of Jesus, will do something. Will do something to meet their needs. Again, Richard Stern says, it's not what you believe that matters. It's what you believe enough to do something about that matters. James, Jesus' brother, said it this way when he wrote his letter that's in the New Testament part of your Bible. He wrote, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Jesus wants to know of His followers, will you do something to respond to the least of these? Let me illustrate our struggle with this story, this made-up story. Suppose I was walking down the street and I noticed as I'm walking along a dog now, this wasn't somebody's dog. Obviously, this is a dog that had been on the streets for some time. It was dirty and mangy and nasty, and but I noticed it. And so I, I was out of my mind for a moment, and uh, as a person that doesn't really like animals, but uh, just for the story's sake, okay, I stopped, and I began to call that dog over. And the dog, obviously lonely for some time, was starved for attention, and so very carefully guarded, that dog would come towards me. And I would stick my hand out for that dog. And maybe as I did it, I would realize for a moment, this is crazy because this dog could bite me at any second, but that dog would begin to smell my hand and then lick it. And before I knew what was happening, I'm petting that dog and it's over on its back and I'm rubbing its belly. And I do that for a few moments and then I think, well, that's it, we're done. And so I, I turn to leave, but you know what probably happens. That dog, that dog begins to follow me. And I think to myself, now wait a minute. A couple of seconds of petting you, that was fine with me, but you are not following me home. And so I continue to walk, but the dog continues to follow. And so I turn and I scream at the dog, no, go away. You know, you're not following me home. I throw some pebbles, not at the dog, but, you know, near it. I try to scare the dog away. Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, a little bit of sacrifice was okay. But I don't want to get that involved. You know, a, a little bit of reaching out to the dog was okay. But listen, the dog, you are not following me home. I, I am not getting completely involved in this. A little sacrifice, sure. But completely involved? No way. Not with a dog. And not with the poor. A little bit of sacrifice, okay. But fully involved? I don't know about that. And see, I think it's that attitude that has often kept us from doing anything. Because we're afraid if we jump in and we do something, maybe I'll have to get fully involved. And yet a radical follower of Jesus wouldn't be afraid of getting fully involved. But you see, I'm forced again to ask those same two questions. Do I believe Jesus? Do I believe Him when He says that what you do to the least of these, you do to me? And I have to ask myself, am I willing to obey? When Jesus says to me, Jeff, as my follower, you've got to do something. Am I willing to do something? How about you? I'm going to pray.
And uh, when I finish praying, we're gonna that really wraps up our time. But I want you to invite you to stay as long as you'd like. The band's gonna play for a few minutes. And maybe today in your heart, you just need to spend a couple minutes with God, kind of talking this one over. Because I'm guessing if you're like me, a couple of years ago, I didn't really want to hear this stuff. And I really didn't want to get involved. And I really didn't want to serve the poor. And God's had to really work on my heart to move it to the place today that I want to. Desperately. Because I want to be that kind of follower. So maybe you need to spend a couple of minutes before you walk out the door and before you walk out the door and just forget about it. And maybe you need to talk to God about this. God, uh, thank you that you love the poor and the hurting and the needy and the vulnerable. God, thank you for what Jesus has modeled for us. And God, I'd ask you again afresh in my heart today, would you help me to feel what Jesus feels and to do what Jesus would do? God, would you help us to carefully examine our hearts today and to honestly ask, do we believe Jesus and are we willing to obey? And again, God, I pray for every person in this room then that you would help them to know, even beginning today, how it is that you would invite them to respond with courage and boldness and trust in you. God, change us. We want to be radical followers. We want to be the kind of followers that you've called us to be. God, it is all in. And we're putting it all on the table for you. In Jesus' name we pray.